was all gone when my heart had no song still in love he proved faithful to me every word he's promised it's true
Wow. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are unbelievably faithful. God, we come today to rejoice and to say thank you for your faithfulness. The faithfulness to love us even when we do turn and look away from you. God, you are still faithful. God, I thank you for the testimony of Stacy and just her faithfulness and the demonstration of that faith. And God, we just rejoice with the news that we received this week with regard to her. We just pray you continue to bless her and Mickey and their family. God, we know that you're still faithful. God, we thank you for the faithfulness that you've shown to this great church throughout the years. And God, we pray that we'd always be faithful in everything. Thank you for how you've blessed Lindsay Lane. God, we look to you. We trust you. We depend on your faithfulness. And God, I pray for each and every one of us as we come together to worship you, Lord, that we would be faithful to honor you and to worship you today because you are so deserving of our worship and our praise. Lord, thank you for the blessings that we've already received just by being here this morning. And God, we look forward to continuing to worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. Good morning. What a way to start a worship service. God is faithful. Amen. He has certainly been faithful in my life, and i just glad to be here this morning. We want to say welcome to each and every one of you, but especially those that may be visiting with us today. In the back of your pew, there's a, a little Connect card. If you would take just a moment and fill that out and let us know that you were here, we would certainly appreciate that. If you'd fill it out and just drop it in the offering containers uh, out in one of our foyers. Uh, we would certainly like to have a record of you being with us, but we want you to know that we love you. We're glad that you're here. And we want to say welcome. If you have a special prayer need, any of you that would like for us to pray with you about anything going on in your life, we'd be honored to do that as a staff. Uh, we'll, you just jot that on that uh, section on that Connect card there, drop it in the offering buckets or offering containers out in the foyers, and we'll certainly be praying for you tomorrow. But it's a joy and privilege we have to come together this morning to worship. As part of our worship here at Lindsay Lane, uh, we do want to encourage you to be faithful in the area of stewardship. And as we talk about our offerings this morning, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer and uh, just pray over the offering time this morning. But we want to encourage you to be faithful in the area of giving each and every week. But coming up on October the 3rd, uh, which is our Give to Go Sunday, we've been talking about this for several months now. And we want to just encourage you to be praying about how God would have you participate in Give to Go which will form, it will uh, support our missions budget uh, for the next year. So we will plan our missions activities and missions budget based on our gift to go offering coming up on October the 3rd. It's going to be a special, special day. You won't want to miss it. It'll be a blessing for you to be here that day. So we're looking forward to that and want to encourage you to, to give to go so that we can share the gospel with others around the world. Again, our offering this morning, just encourage you to be faithful in that. You can give 
by dropping your offerings off in the offering containers out in the foyers. You can give online at our website at lindsaylane.org, or you can text LLBC to 73256, and uh, just be faithful in every area of our lives. But I want to pray for our offering, and then we're going to celebrate baptisms together this morning. Father God, we thank you for the privilege we have to come together to worship you. Lord, we do pray for our offerings this morning. We just ask God that we would each be faithful because you're indeed faithful to us. And so, Lord, as we bring our tithes and offerings today, God, we pray that you would honor them, that you would use them for your glory, that others might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for the privilege of celebrating this time of baptism together, Lord. We rejoice in this one who's given their heart and life to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Welcome in to Lindsay Lane. We are so glad to see you today, and uh, we get to, to continue to begin this service uh, with baptism. We're going to baptize a mother and her daughter today. Amen. Amen. Well, come on down, Reagan. This is Reagan Alley. There you go, Reagan. I told Reagan if you want to, you can take a look at all those folks out there. And hey, you're, you're for her, right? Amen. That's right. Uh, Reagan and, and I got to talk with her family in my office not too long ago, and she's called upon the name of the Lord and, and, uh, and understands, and she wants to follow in believers' baptism. So, Reagan, have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Amen. Based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in Christ in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There you go. And this is Sherry Alley. Oh, Sherry. Sherry, I know you're not a child, but we're proud of you too. I want you to know that too. And I know that, amen, amen. We are uh, super proud of you, and I know this is a big day. As your daughter just went before you and got baptized, you're getting baptized too, and I'm getting pumped up. So uh, we're, we're so happy for you. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord, what a wonderful way to start a worship service. To acknowledge how you can take us from death to life. So, God, would you please speak to our hearts today? Lord, all of us, we need to hear from you. Lord, even if we haven't thought about you yet, we need to hear from you. And, Lord, your church needs to worship you today. God, it is a, a day where we don't need to just sing. We need to express our hearts. Now, you have forgiven us. You've set us free from the penalty and the power of sin. You've created us. You've sustained us. You've made a way for us to have heaven. And we don't deserve any of that. But God, we're grateful for who you are and for your character. Lord, I thank you for Sherry and for Reagan. I thank you, Lord, for their profession of faith. And I pray, oh God, that it would stir the hearts of our people, that if there's another that needs to be baptized, if there are others that need to acknowledge who you are, God, I just pray that that would happen soon, very soon. And Jesus, we love you. And we're going to stand here today and we're going to worship you. And Lord, we want you to preach to us. We want to hear from you. 
And God, grow this church and use this church together for the glory of God and the good of man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We can look back through the scriptures and see how God has been faithful. But even more so, we can look back in our own lives and see how God has been faithful. Whatever it is you're going through, he will be faithful now. Let's all stand together as we sing. I am standing on to faith. Holding on to faith. That's right. Because I know you'll make a way. And I don't always understand. And I don't always get to see. But I will believe it. I will believe it. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Amen. I pray God's been faithful to you. I'm standing on your word, God. Sing it out. I am standing on your word. Calling heaven down to earth. And you will fight my enemies. And this will end in victory. And I will believe it. Yes, I will believe it. this morning. He is faithful. Praise the Lord.
You know, I remember reading in the scriptures about the Israelites as they came upon that Red Sea and they were like, oh my gosh, or whatever ocean it was or whatever. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Let's start that over since I totally messed it up. This is a day to show God's grace and Andy Jones. Anyway, God split it open for him and they walked right through. I searched the world. I searched the world. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along. Then you came along Put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love There's nothing better Sing it out Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing Better than you, or there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Amen. I'm not afraid.
may need the Lord to turn seas into highways today. <laughs> it's raining out there. Amen. Speaking of that, thank you for being here. I know it had been just as easy to stay home because it's flooding. But, um, man, something stirs me every time we can get together in my heart. I want you to know, if you've come here today for hope, you can get it. God is still working. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. The gospel is still alive and well. There's still good news that you can be redeemed and saved and have a future and a hope because God is alive. And so I love to get to work for him, and that's what we're going to do right now. Amen? If you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was teaching on ministering for God's glory and not your own. That truly is what we're looking at here in the context of the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to look at today. But Jesus said that when you give, when you fast, and when you pray, which are all spiritual disciplines, they are not to be done to draw attention to yourself, but only to let the Lord see you so that he himself can reward you. When you do these things, when you serve, when you fast, when you pray, when you worship, when you give, that do it in such a way where we are not drawing attention to ourselves, but we just want the Lord to see us because He is the one that truly gives the reward. Which is a good place for us to stop and ask as we look at the context. We could ask ourselves a question of spiritual evaluation here. Would we still give? Would we still serve? Would we still fast? Would we still pray aloud if nobody was here? If nobody's looking, if nobody knows, is the attention of our Heavenly Father enough? That's the question we're asking. Staying on the topic of prayer, this, this is what Jesus is leading into. Jesus told those around him, don't recite prayers without thought and intention. In verse 7, Jesus said, as he is teaching his disciples and those that are listening, he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on. As the Gentiles do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. Without thought, without mind, without heart, just a repetition of words does not count as praying according to Jesus. Jesus takes a moment to teach that there's a difference between heartfelt persistence and mindless repetition. Y'all, we're not, when we pray, we're not casting a spell, we're praying. It's like, it, it's, it's like prayer has the potential to be like getting off the phone with your spouse. What are you talking about? All right, you got it? I got it. All right, love you. Love you, bye. How many of us do that? Spouses. Where you go? All right, love you. Love you too. Bye. How many times? Now, here's the deal. What I'm talking about is not casting a spell or being a code. When you're getting off the phone with your spouse and you say, love you, love you too, bye, it's like a code. If you say the words, love you, love you too, the code is checked and you may proceed. But if one does not say love you back, it's like, what's your problem? <laughs> what in the world is wrong with you? I said love you. Well, reciting the Lord's Prayer is not a, a code. 
or saying the Lord's Prayer or praying like this template that God gives us, it's, it's not a code. Like if you say these things in, in repetition, then all is well. If you don't say it, then the other end's like, what's your problem? Love you, even getting off the phone, that's meant not to be mindless. It's meant to be intentional. It's meant to be heartfelt when you say it. But anything that we do enough, anything that we do regularly, it can become routine or going through the motion. It can, prayer can even become mindless repetition rather than this heartfelt persistence which Jesus is teaching about in our own personal prayer life. So with that in mind, Jesus teaches his disciples when they are praying, he says, pray like this. And what follows is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Notice Jesus did not say, pray this prayer. He said, pray like this. Many of you know this. I'm sure some of you don't, but I grew up in a small community Methodist church out in Clements. That's where I'm from, my family's from. And in the Methodist church, reciting the Lord's Prayer is widely used during worship services. So I learned the Lord's Prayer by heart when I was a kid, early on. And because that was the only church I'd ever knew, even up until college, I thought every Christian in the world knew how to recite the Lord's Prayer. Shows how closed off to the rest of the world sometimes we were. But I thought everybody knew the Lord's Prayer, even to the point I thought, man, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. Are you saved or not? You know, like, what's the deal? Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. And I remember reciting that as a part of our worship service. And truth is, is that even though this is the instruction to pray like this, and it's just a template prayer, it's not to be, not so much that we recite it. The truth is, is I'm thankful I learned it. At the very least, I was reciting scripture. At the very most, if I was praying, even when reciting with my heart and mind, then I was actually praying the Lord wanted me to. I'm thankful for that. I certainly learned that I, and I also think, I truly do, I think that it's okay to recite this prayer. Even in, I would remind you, coaches, any of y'all that coach ball teams, when you say the Lord's Prayer, take some time to go over it instead of just saying it. Because there's that part where you get to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We give those trespasses and give us Like that's the way it goes. God, amen. That's the way it goes. And like we get to this babbling part where we don't really even know what we're saying, but we're trying to acknowledge God, and we hope that He blesses us because we're just babbling. And so, chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus says that when it's vain repetition is when you think your prayers will be answered merely by repeating the words. Y'all, did y'all know it's okay to pray repetitively, but motives matter. Everything, when you personally praise, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, when you personally pray, if you're praying repetitious or repetitiously, then your heart and mind should still be in it. You know, every day for my own children, Brittany and I, we, we pray every morning the same thing for our kids. We pray that they would grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and others because that's just how it says Jesus did. We pray that they would always love God and love the church. And that God would protect them, but he would purpose them for his glory. And that they would recognize their need for him every day. We pray that every day. And you know what? We mean it every day. It's okay to pray repetitiously. It's okay to recite the Lord's Prayer. But you've got to mean it every time you close your eyes and bow your head. And that's why Jesus said, it's not about thinking your prayers are going to be answered by repeating words. 
And while reciting is permissible, the Lord was not instructing to recite. He was actually instructing us when we pray, when disciples of Jesus talk to God, that we are to use this teaching as a template of how to approach the Lord when we pray. This series, which we've called Rhythms, and we're preaching this at all three campuses, is about spiritual disciplines, about putting into practice what is repeated, exemplified, or instructed in Scripture for the purpose of being a worthy servant of our Savior. And one of those disciplines, y'all, is prayer. It's praying day in and day out, heartfelt communication to God. In Scripture, you will see dialoguing with God. You will even see calling upon the name of the Lord in the first four chapters. It's there in Genesis. Jesus is recorded as praying 25 times during his earthly ministry. Now, that's not 25 times the only time he prayed. It's just recorded that he prayed multiple times. The Apostle Paul has written about prayer 41 times in his writing. So when you look in the Scripture and we ask the question that we taught to ask last week when we read the Bible, what do we see when we see in the Bible is, script, is praying? That's a spiritual discipline. The next question we talked to ask was, what does it mean? What does prayer mean? Prayer means relationship. It means relationship. It's communication. Any, any relationship that involves communication is a relationship. You know, did you know that you can't just bow your head and pray and talk to God without knowing Jesus? I'm serious. Some of us talk about, like, well, and I, we, we pray all the time. Who are you praying to? Not an unknown God. The God, the, the only thing that gives me confidence that when I talk, the Heavenly Father listens is the blood of Jesus Christ that covers my sin. Because my sin is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, I have confidence before the throne of God that I am talking under the clearance of my Savior. So it's not we just calling on Lord like He's, he's this genie. But we have, a, we have an audience of God because of the, the blood of Christ. And we get to communicate with Him. And communication is found in relationship. It's found in right relationship. When you're mad at somebody and they're mad at you, you don't talk to them. But when you are in a right relationship, you are speaking one to another. God is a relational God. He's not closed off from us. He makes a way for us to have fellowship with Him. And he will not only speak to us, y'all, do you hear this? We get to speak to God. I mean, like, think, I, I don't, y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> I know you did, but I get real fired up. We get to talk to Almighty God. That blows my mind when I think about it. That he would hear us, that the scripture says he bends down to listen to us. He'll not only speak to us, we can speak to him. What a privilege that is. So Christian, when you pray... The Bible says, pray like this. Verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing we are taught to do when we are looking at the template for prayer is to pray with perspective. The perspective of who God is and what he's doing. When we pray, we should know who we are talking to and what his agenda is before we put our request before him. First off, that you see there in verse 9, is there an address of God that indicates that one knows with whom he speaks to. As I looked at individual prayers... Throughout the week, when I look back to those that prayed individually to God, what I saw at the beginning of their prayer was initial reverence. 
They know who they are speaking with when they pray. If you look in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 verse 4, Daniel approaches the Lord in prayer. He's pleading for Israel. And before he puts his request before God, this is how he, uh, he addresses the Lord God. He says, Oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and you keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. He hasn't thanked God yet. He hasn't asked anything of God yet. He certainly hasn't said amen yet. All he's doing to start with is just telling God who he is. He's communicating, I know who you are. Because when we have an initial tone of reverence, it sets the tone for who you're going to talk to. Who you are about to make requests of. Who you are about to ask forgiveness of. We know in whom we are speaking to. Meaning we shouldn't address the Lord like we talk to our buddies. Hey man. Like who are you talking to? The big man upstairs. Let's see here. I don't see none of these guys talking about. The big man upstairs. Our father. Who is in heaven. May your name be kept holy. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I don't wear a suit and tie every Sunday. This is not that formal of a church. I understand that. Truth is, I want you to come up in here any way you want to. I just want you to come in here. But when we talk to God, we're talking to God. Our Father, who is in heaven and holy, is his name. That one sentence, we see three things. We see a relationship. Father. Father is a family relationship, but it's also formal. So there's this, this immediate reverence that you're talking to a caring parent, but with a certain level of respect. And then we see a location. We see in heaven. In heaven indicates that while there is this close fatherly relationship that we can have, there's also this grand separation between us and God because he is set apart and set above in his holiness. God is superior. He is divine. Yes, we are children of God. We are friends of God, but he is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. He is Yahweh, the covenant God. He is over and above. And so there's two things there that you see even in that one sentence. There's this closeness in relationship, and then there's this acknowledgement that God is on another level than we are. So let's be reminded of who we talk to. And then we also see this characteristic, may your name be kept holy. You see, may your name be kept holy means that his name is already holy. It just needs to be kept holy by who's praying. So when we pray, may your name be kept holy, it's actually a request of, may your name be kept holy by me. You see that we haven't even got to asking him anything yet. We are addressing him for who he is. This is an acknowledgement of character. It's also a responsibility of a Christian to keep the name of God holy in the way that we talk, think, act, and live. He is our holy father in heaven. He's not a regular genie in a bottle. The address sets the tone. Because when you know who you're praying to, y'all listen to this. When you know who you're praying to, then you will know how to pray. The second thing that you see there in those first two verses that we've looked at is not just who he is, but what he's doing. Your kingdom come, your will be done. How many of us have prayed this week that the will of God be done? We should. We find Jesus there before his crucifixion, praying that 
that if it be your will, take this cup from, from me, this cup of suffering from me. But Jesus said to the, to the Son, to the Father, but not my will, but your will be done. Remember in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus' earthly ministry began, the Son of God, Jesus, began to preach the good news that God saves. And then he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Think about what we prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Y'all listen to me today. The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sin and turn to God. And believe the good news that God saves and has made a way for you to bust heaven wide open. And he's made a way for you to turn from yourself and to turn to God and have a right relationship with him because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the truth of God. And until that time, when Jesus comes back and God sets up his earthly authority rule as a new heaven and new earth, until that time, the work has been done by Jesus, the Son of God, and the work is being done by the Spirit of God who draws us to what I just told you. And so, King Jesus announced the coming of God's kingdom. He was working for the will of God. King Jesus lived perfectly, died sacrificially, rose from the grave powerfully to make a way into God's kingdom. Jesus was accomplishing the will of God. The Spirit of God that's convicting your heart right now, even as you sit in church and you know the week and weekend you've had. The Spirit of God that's drawing you into a right relationship with God, closer walk with thee. He is accomplishing the will of the Father. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Y'all, I think it's important that we hear this today. God is not trying to make you happy. He's not. I know that flies all over some of us. It's serious. It's raining outside. It just matches it, doesn't it? God is not trying to make you happy. In fact, sometimes I really feel like if we'll buy into that, we'll be a lot happier. God is not trying to make you happy because the scripture says when you pray, you are praying for the kingdom of God to come. You are praying for the will of God to be done. The king doesn't work for his subjects. The subjects work for the king. We live in a world where many people don't know who's in charge. And his template for praying for us when we pray is your kingdom come and your will be done. The church is the established kingdom of God on earth to reflect what is to come in the future when God sets up that earthly reign and he rules over everything in the new. And this is what God is working on one believer at a time. And if you are a subject, a loyal subject in the kingdom of God, your will will be what his will is all about. You will care about reaching people. You will care about worship. You will care about your life representing the holiness of God. Because you are a loyal subject in the kingdom. And when Jesus the king taught the subjects to pray, he taught us to pray saying, your will be done and your kingdom come. So Christian, before you ever make a request, because we still hadn't got there yet. Before you ever make a request of God for the things that you need and the things that you desire, you should know what He is working on as the King of this kingdom. This is the perspective of prayer. His ideals are before our request. How often? 
How often when I pray do I just say, Lord, and I start naming all the things I want. Lord, would you please? Now, I've not addressed him by anything than Lord, which is usually what I say. And y'all, in fact, in practical praying, I think we should mix those things up, what we call God, so that in our mind and heart, we're, we're, we're singing a new song rather than just calling on him the same way we always have. But before we ever get to our, our request, it will change the way we make requests when we recognize who he is and what he's working on. It'll shape the way that we ask things of God. If you're praying for God's will to be done, let me say this to you respectfully. God's will for your life has less to do with what you dream of and more to do with what he's doing. I'm going to say that one time, one more time, respectfully. God's will for your life has less to do with what you dream of and more to do with what he's doing. We are to align our will with the will of God. I know, like, I, even as I say that, I feel like it's not popular, but I'm going to stand before God. So I need to tell you that truth. God is not trying to make you happy. If we will allow him to be the Lord of our life, then we will begin to order our steps according to his purposes. Verses 11 and 12, verse 11 says, Give us the food we need. Amen. <laughs> and verse 12 says, And forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We are taught to pray with perspective. We're also taught to pray for provision. To recognize our needs, to place our needs before the Lord. Listen, the will of God and the kingdom of God does not discount the needs of the people. Jesus is teaching us to pray, and he includes both. He includes that calling on the Lord for the will of God, and then he includes this asking for provision. Daily bread is a daily provision. And it's not just, it actually is the food provision, but it's actually a provision of all the needs that we need for each day. Give us the food that we need. Jesus is teaching us to be dependent upon God who created everything and can give you anything. Let me ask this, because daily bread, again, is not just daily bread. It's a provision for all the things we need. Focusing on that word need. Now with that, I want you to lock in on this question. Have we ever stopped to consider that the only reason we think so much about what we want is because we never really have to think about what we actually need? Have we ever stopped to consider that the only reason we think so much about what we want is because we never have to think about what we actually need. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the food that we need. Can I be honest with you? I don't know that I've ever asked the Lord to provide food for me a day in my life. I can't think of one time. I can't think of one time when our family has been at a point where we have called the Lord to send us something to eat. There are people that have. There are people that do all over the world. And let me stop right there and tell you, if you're one of those families, you need to come and see us because we can help you with that. And not only can we pray over that, we can provide that as the church of the living God. But I don't think I've ever had to pray and ask God for food. But I do get to pray and thank God for it. You see, if God is providing 
for what he knows that you need that he's already given you, then we better be grateful for it. And we better make a way to help somebody else have a meal when we've always got one. But there are other needs that I express to God all the time in prayer. There, there are needs that I've prayed to God for, to meet over the years and pray for God to provide you a job. Some of you may be looking for work or looking for the, the career that God would have you to go into so you can make the most difference in the world because of what he's given you to care about. And not only do you provide for or pray for provision, but you're praying for direction, for decision. I pray for wisdom all the time. Praying for God to give you guidance as to where to go and what to do that you know is against your feeling. We're, we're asking God for needs of encouragement. Some of you today just need to be encouraged. And some of us need to encourage you. You know, there's people praying for somebody to say something good to them. There's people praying for, for somebody to pat them on the back and give them a compliment and lift them up. And they're asking God for that. And the church is a way that we can encourage. And we're praying for strength to resist temptation. And if we're not, we ought to be. We ought to be praying for God to give us the strength to resist what's in front of our eyes. What causes us to stumble. What causes us to keep praying prayers of confession and asking for forgiveness. We're not praying anything preventative. We're just going to God and asking Him, would you please forgive me? You see, this is the, the template of prayer that that is given unto man through King Jesus. And God wants us to ask him to meet our needs. I don't want to bother God with that. You don't? Well, you ought to. This is God the Father. The other night, we were about to go to a ball game. Noel, my daughter, comes out. Our daughter, I have a wife, Brittany, lovely. Our daughter comes and she says, Daddy, I'm going to take my own money to get my food at the concession stand. I said, no, ma'am, you're not. And she said, how come I can't take my own money? I said, your father is going to provide your food. You can spend that money on anything you want, but you're not going to buy your food because your daddy's going to cover that. I want my daughter to ask me to meet her need. I'm her daddy. I'm her father. Have you got things in your life that you need? Are you really praying about it or are you complaining about it? Are you really putting it before the Lord who is your heavenly father and Jesus has taught us to pray over our provision? Are you in need? Have you tried asking God? Have you put your request before the Lord for him to meet not your wants but your needs? The things that he knows that you need? And speaking of what we need before the Lord, notice this next verse. Forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive our sins. I hope everybody could raise their hand in here today and say, I've sought the Lord for forgiveness of my sins. Sins here is plural. This is ongoing sin. This is not the state of being separate from God. This is the sin that is ongoing in the life of someone who remains in sin or in the, in the life of someone who is right with God. What happens when a Christian sins? Forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This kind of sin happens even in the life of a Christian when we do what we want and we don't do the will of God in obedience. And we've all been there. You know, the thing that I came away with when studying this verse this week that says, May your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins. Y'all, do you realize that when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he built in provision for forgiveness. Thank God for how good he is. 
Hey, man, I know you're going to need this in the future. Go on and ask for it when you need it. Gosh. Sometimes the way we treat God, the way we live our life, like we're thankful for the forgiveness that you give, we're going to see you in heaven, we'll take it from here kind of deal. And Jesus is praying for us to pray for forgiveness. He's teaching us this. How good is God? That in the model prayer, He has built this in. God doesn't require from us over and over salvation again. Somebody needs to know that and get fired up about that. God doesn't require of us to ask for salvation every time we pray. He could, but there's been one way made unto you to be unto Him righteous, and that is through Jesus. There's no other work before Jesus and no other work that's going to come for your forgiveness. It is Jesus who died for your sin, past, present, and future. If you've called upon the name of the Lord, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You don't feel like it, and you ought not to, because God is that good. Thank God Almighty we get to stand and sing for Him and to Him because of this. God does not require our salvation over and over again. We're not like fantasy football players that He can just kick off the roster and pick back up if we've acted right. I'm sure all of you are going to be like me and check your fantasy roster here in just a minute, and maybe we'll share more grace to those players who have not produced. But we're, amen, I got an amen to that. That was funny. We're... We're not, we're not these players under some kind of contract and conditions. We're children of God. We are God's children. As children of God who believe in Jesus, we have life. We have eternal life. We have the security that is promised through the seal of the Holy Spirit. Listen and learn this. When a Christian sins, when a Christian sins, we do not need the judicial forgiveness of God. We need the parental forgiveness of God. There's a difference there. Parental forgiveness is not because a relationship needs to be formed. It's so a right relationship can be reconciled. When we sin against God, even as a Christian, we don't lose our salvation, but we will certainly lose fellowship. Which is why we need to call upon the Lord and go on and tell Him what we've done, because He knows anyway. And receive the restoration that will come under His forgiveness that is promised in the template of what he's taught us to pray. Listen, don't get to that point where you belittle your sin. Don't get to the place where you've asked God for forgiveness so many times, you've, you either assume that he's going to forgive you or quit on you, and all of a sudden you've belittled your sin to the point, and don't get to this place where you go before God like you don't have any at all. Search your heart. Consider what the Spirit of God is bringing to light. Confess and forsake your sin and seek the Lord for forgiveness. That's hope-filled right there. But that's not all, my friends. This request for our own forgiveness comes with the expectation that you are already giving it to others. That's the tough part, isn't it? We want to hear that God forgives and we ought to ask Him for it. The part we don't want to hear is forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. The way this is worded, it's like forgiveness is assumed by everybody that's a Christian. Forgive us of our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespassed against us. As we have forgiven. It's almost like this could be viewed as, Lord, I messed up. I messed up in thought, word, and deed. And before I ask you for my own forgiveness, I want you to know that I'm working on my forgiveness towards them. Like it's assumed because if you're going to ask God for forgiveness... 
It's assumed that you're going to give it to somebody else as much as you want it for yourself. I know that's difficult to understand. I, I understand that. Unwillingness to forgive, though, is proof that you don't realize the weight of your own sin before God. Lord, please forgive me because I have not done what they've done. Lord, help them because... Are, are you a forgiver? Are you a forgiver? Are you known for grace and mercy or known for being judgmental? Are you known for forgiveness? Did y'all know we can't just say we forgive people and then remain bitter? That's like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy! Well, you have to go through the process. That gives me a good indication of where we are, all of us. <laughs> but I, it's really like we do that sometimes. Oh, I forgave them, but oh, I can't stand them. Like, that's how we'll talk in conversation. Oh, I've already forgiven them. I turned that over to the Lord. But did you hear what they did the next week to somebody else? That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. When we call upon the Lord to forgive us, I truly believe that God doesn't roll his eyes when we're around. God doesn't continue to talk about us behind our back. God doesn't hold it over us every single moment. Because the scripture says in Isaiah 43, 25, that God, when he forgives us, he blots out our sins for his own sake, and he will never think of them again. I realize that is a tall order if you've been hurt. But this is where we're going in the process of forgiveness. Because that bitterness will just be a root that grows inside of us. We've just endured another 9-11 anniversary. Just came through that. I, as I was thinking about this this week, I remember vividly, vividly, watching a, a popular talk show, and one of our United States dignitary, dignitaries, in his feelings, he said this after the terrorist attacks. He said, God may forgive, but we will not. And in the emotion part of it, I get that. I get why you're saying that. But see, that doesn't work for the Lord. Because the Lord gave his son to die for us and I'm talking about to die for the sins that would cause consequence for a few and to die for the sins of those who cause consequences for thousands. If you are a Christian, you've got to be a forgiver. There's no way out of that. Withholding a desire to forgive and forgiveness itself is a sure sign you may not have it. Because we don't understand what we're asking for if we're unwilling to give it to somebody else. True repentance, true turning from sin involves us seeking God for forgiveness and extending it to somebody else. It means that we are turning from writing people off. We're turning from that. We are turning from resentment. We're turning from bitterness. We're turning from holding grudges. Because God could write us off, sure as world. Notice in verses 14 and 15, it's almost like the Lord closes out the template prayer and he's like, another thing on forgiveness. 
Like he goes back to it in verses 14 and 15. And he says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Work through the process of forgiveness. Realize your own sin. Realize the sin of others. Yours are big. Theirs are big. It's ongoing. We all need a Savior. We need the grace of God. No, that does not mean that it's okay for someone to continue to take advantage of you or to bully you. That's another conversation. But the process of forgiveness is one process that a believer goes through because he wants it for himself. If there is bitterness in your heart and you're asking for your own forgiveness, we are actually delaying restoration and fellowship with God. And the scripture says then in verse 13, as we have prayed with perspective, we are praying for provision, and now we are praying against pollution. And the scripture says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, this is a preventative prayer. Before there is temptation and the chance for evil to influence us, deliver us. Y'all, I, I, I want you to know this. I have to put this stuff on before I get it out to you. This hit me this week. Am I praying this over my family? Am I praying this for our church? Am I praying this for my personal life? That I'm praying, Lord, don't lead us into trials and tests and temptations. Don't lead us into these things, but deliver us from evil. Am I praying these preventative prayers for all of us and for our own family? Lead us not into temptation. This is not God tempting you with evil. God doesn't do that. God does not tempt you. He will allow things that are difficult in our life, but He does not tempt us with evil. Read James 1.13. The thought behind this portion of prayer that Jesus has built in to how we should pray is the expressed desire to avoid dangers and sin altogether. Like we are communicating to the Lord, we don't even want to go close to that which would trip us up. We don't even want to get near the things that would tear our family apart. And we're praying and asking God to lead us away from that in His sovereignty to help us navigate through that. Behind our house is a field. And that field has been different kinds of crops. Corn, beans, different things back there. Usually those two. And as Davis, my son, as he was a kid and he was a little baby, little boy growing up and he's getting this tall and then this tall and then this tall. We've, we've many, just like many of you, we've played ball in our backyard a lot. And the ball oftentimes would go into the field. And as he was small, and as we would see varmints run out of there every once in a while, he would walk up to that field, almost like field of dreams, and he'd be like, uh-uh, that ain't, I ain't going in there. <laughs> and, and, and truly, he, he was thinking, I know what's been in there, I can't see what's in there, there's fear attached, I'm not going in there. When he was a child, I would go in there and I would get the ball and I would bring it back out and I would tell him, now when you get older, you can do that. As we got older, there would be times when the ball would go in there and he'd look at me again and go, I ain't going. And you know what I tell him? Yes, you are. It's right there and you can get it. I don't want to, but you can. It's right there. I'm right here. You can get it. And now that he's older, there's not a whole lot more of that stuff going, I don't. He just goes right in and get it. You know why? I knew there was a time for me to get it. 
I knew there was a time for him to get it. Because later on, he would need to walk with more endurance and with more confidence. That's what the Lord will do when we ask him not to lead us into temptation and to deliver us from evil. There's going to be times, I truly believe in the sovereignty of God, there's been times that he has kept my family from things that would have taken us down. But I also believe there's been times when he has led our family through things that he knew we just needed to trust him to navigate through it because we could help y'all to do the same. Lead us not into temptation. We should make that a part of our prayers. Express the attitude of dependence before our Lord to avoid warfare, to avoid conflict. Man, how many times are we going into organizations in here, outside in the world, into our own families, and and how many times are we not asking God to prepare our hearts, to lead us not into evil, to lead us away from temptation, because we are about to enter the land of people. And whenever you got people, you got purpose and you also got problems. And so we should absolutely pray, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. But we've also got to understand that there are times when God is going to allow you to go into the crop and bring out the ball. Knowing that it will be fearful and knowing that there will be times that you have got to trust what the Father said. So that you will grow to completion lacking nothing. As we finalize today's message and think about praying personally, personally praying. This is spiritual disciplines. This is not praying corporately, but praying personally as Jesus is teaching his disciples to do that. I want to do what the Lord did, and I want to circle back to forgiveness. Did you know that when it comes to your forgiveness today, I don't care what you've done. Do you know that when it comes to your forgiveness today, you can be parentally forgiven, but y'all listen to me, you can be judicially forgiven. That your record of sin that would separate you from God and send you to hell, God has made a way for you to be forgiven of all of that. The blood of Jesus poured out as a sacrifice for our sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. He became sin for our righteousness. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? When inside, in your heart, the part in here that you know is immaterial, but it's very real. Has there ever been a part in time when you have dealt with that sin and you recognize that you're a sinner and you need God and you need God to get to heaven and you need God to live right on earth? Have you ever called upon the name of the Lord? Because that's available right now. That, that's the good news that Jesus was announcing is the good news that I'm announcing. That's good news. The other question, the other part in dealing with that is, y'all, if you are in Christ, parental forgiveness is also available for you. You may have talked yourself out of your own salvation thinking that there's no way the Lord would keep forgiving me because of who I am. Salvation is an enduring faith. God is an enduring God. Trust the promises of his word that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it. Let's stand to our feet. If it is your desire to turn from sin, 
God's provision has been made and His character has not changed. Amen? Lord, as we consider today our response, as we consider today approaching this altar for the first time in a long time, as we consider joining this church, in our hearts, Lord, before you, as we consider getting our baptism in order, and Lord, as we consider a right relationship with you that we've never had before. Oh God, who is faithful, who is unchanging, who has made a way for us to be loved and to have hope forever. Our Father in heaven, we pray, oh God, that your will would be done that your kingdom would come. Lord, help us to keep your name holy. Lead us away from temptation. Give us today what we need today. Lord, forgive us where we have crossed the line. Lord, there are things that we need. There are things that we want. Help us to know the difference. As we consider what our response is to be today, I pray, oh God, that you would not let us go until we yield. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have counselors, pastors here that would love to talk with you. Y'all, if you want to use that, we're, we're talking about prayer today. You can pass right on by us and you can go to this altar. And there's something special about getting on your knees and talking to God. And the intimacy between you and the Father is not about it. Nobody's looking at you. There's something special about, about placing your dependency before the Lord. I want to invite you to come and talk to us. I want to invite you to come and pray to the Lord. I want to invite you to join this church to get your baptism in order. I want to invite you to ask us questions. I want to invite you to come and, and let us help you. Amen? Let's respond and let's worship. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Broken hearted, the rest you begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Lay down your
There's rest for the weary, a rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow, and heaven can endure. So lay down your Thank you again. You can be seated for just a moment. Before we send you out, we have a give-to-go video we want to show you just to remind you of the offering that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll show you that. Greg will give us some announcements, and we'll get in our boats and go home. Yeah, my name is Wayne Henderson. I went to Juarez, New Mexico, which is just across the river from El Paso, Texas. What uh, with a group of youth from Capshaw Baptist Church to build a house in a week. Uh, in the States, we probably call it a shed, but uh, they call it a house. We probably call it a she shed. I'd heard about missions all my life in church, and uh, I was retired and had an opportunity to go. Uh, I could assist the youth in building this house. I've been to the Warriors Business District to gift shops and restaurants, but I wasn't expecting the very poor living conditions in the area we were working. It was heartbreaking to see families living in wood pallets, nailed together in line with car. People need the Lord. Someone needs to tell them about Jesus. If you can't go, we can support those who are called to share the word and services to those in need. 
Yeah, I will continue to support missions uh, uh, over and above my tithe. Yeah, I'll give to national and national as well as local missions. And if you have opportunity to go on a mission trip, go. Yeah. My name is Wayne Henderson, and I will give to go. Thank you, Wayne. That's just another ministry partner of ours here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. On your way out today, uh, you're going to receive a uh, little flyer, look something like this. And this is a prayer guide for all of our missions ministries and our missionaries that you uh, will start praying over over the next two to three weeks uh, leading up to that Give to Go offering, which will be, again, uh, two Sundays from today. Also, don't forget about those Talladega tickets. If you want to go uh, down to Talladega to the race for a great day of fellowship with your church family, you can purchase those. And um, next Sunday, we will start uh, to give out those uh, tickets for our Lions Farms, our fellowship day at the Pumpkin Patch. And so be looking uh, for those in the gathering space uh, next Sunday. And if you um, are interested in meeting Pastor Andy John, he'll be right at those doors after.